Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics, a podcast dedicated to exploring how things get places and the people who get them there. We'll talk with logistics and supply chain leaders about innovation, industry trends, and the future of the logistics business. Now, here's your host, Joe Lynch. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics podcast. My name is Joe Lynch. Thank you so much for joining us today. Today's topic is how to 10x your sales pipeline with my friend Nadine Nocero-Tai. How's it going, Nadine? Hi, Joe. Thanks so much for having me. It's really exciting to be here today. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm excited about this topic. And we were blabbing offline, and I thought we better hit record before we wear ourselves out. But um, please introduce yourself and your company, where you're calling from today. My pleasure. So I am Nadine Nocero-Tai. I'm a partner at SyncShow. We are a digital marketing agency in the B2B space, and transportation and logistics is one of the three verticals that we do marketing for. So transportation and logistics is super close to my heart. It's something that I've been working closely with clients on for the last seven years personally, and my agency has been in business for uh, almost 20 years. And I'm headquartered in Chicago, but my company is based in Cleveland, Ohio. Yeah. It's good that you're in Chicago. That's where so many of the freight guys are. So Exactly. Exactly. I love, you know, whether I'm doing an evening run or out on a drive, you know, I see it, I see all the signage and all and all the big boys right. around town. So it's a great place to be. Of course, Ohio has a lot of logistics people too. Yes, yes, absolutely, absolutely. But um, I'm from Cleveland, Ohio originally, went to school, went to Loyola, Chicago, moved here for school, loved it. It was a great place to be up on the lakeshore and have have boomeranged back to Chicago after doing almost 10 years in in Cleveland in my in my adult life. But now my husband and my family and I have resettled here in Chicago for the long haul. Yeah. So you mentioned the name of your company. You're kind of quick about it. It's Sync Sync Show. How do you spell that? Sync Show. Yes. S Y N C S H O W. So where did that name come from? I was going to take us right there because everybody always asks. And if you think back to, you know, when the internet started to evolve and there was really a large coming. I'm not that old. <laughs> when the, when it, there was this large coming of age to synchronize all of your tools and your tech stack. And yes. SyncShow was born of that to really say, how do we synchronize your sales and marketing? Because we know the trick to capturing pipeline revenue, to growing your business from mar- through marketing and turning it in, into something that's more than just arts and crafts is really to synchronize that sales and marketing solution. Yeah, you know, I'll tell you, it sounds so basic, but it, it's the truth. I do all these podcasts, so I'm always putting together show notes. So I say, send me your company profile. Now, everybody I interview, I talk to, obviously, on the podcast, but I, I'm also looking at their LinkedIn profiles. So I'm always on LinkedIn. So if I go to your LinkedIn profile and I say, oh, okay, here's Nadine's LinkedIn. First off, one of the things that drives me crazy is when somebody doesn't have their company page linked to their LinkedIn profile. So it looks like, well, does that company not have a LinkedIn company page? Usually they do. But then when I go to that company page, sometimes that doesn't match what I see on their website. So just the the most basics. And by the way, when I say companies, I do that. It's hard to get your social media, which like LinkedIn, Facebook, all, all and uh, YouTube, all of those on the same page, right logo, 
right words, right message, right? And your website. And by the way, for all the fast growing companies I work with, they're always saying, uh, I just had an instance where um, company said, we have this many company, this many drivers. And then it had upgraded. So their website wasn't. And by the way, people have said before to me, hey, that's out, out of date. Why did you put that on? It's like, I cut and copied it from your website. And they're like, oh no. Wow. <laughs> and that's, so sync, synchronizing is not easy. No, no, you're totally right. And it's it's absolutely crucial, especially as the the digital net widens. There are just so many things you have to keep a pulse on. And you're right. You have to ensure that they all match up and they all give a contiguous experience because if they don't, people ask questions. Well, is it truth? Am I in the right place? Can I believe it? Am I in the wrong place? And nobody has time to answer those questions. We're all looking for information quickly. Yep. My, my friend, Steve, well, he was always embarrassed about me forcing him to say it on air, but he's always said to me, you don't want to put any poop in the punch bowl. Cause as soon as there's poop in the punch bowl, they're out. And he says, you put a little bit in there. That's the little distrust, the little lack of, lack of following up on detail. And he said, if somebody says there's just a speck of poop in the punch bowl, you're like, just the discussion that there might be poop in the punch bowl. I'm out. Right? Yep. <laughs> Nobody wants that. And that's what we do to our sales sometimes by not having all of the I's dot and T's crossed because then you start looking and going, hey, what am I, what's going on here? By the way, one of the things that also drives me crazy is when I go to like a website and it's not secure and you're like, this is a big company. Why is their website not secure? Google's telling me don't go there. And you're like, come on, guys. <laughs> That, that's that's pretty bad message to me. Yes, yes. No, the punch bowl analogy is great. I also use like the the bank account. It's like every time you do something right, you make a deposit and the bank feels good and you feel great about writing checks. And every time something goes wrong, whether big or small, it's a it's a much larger debit than a deposit. And and you can get that bank account to zero really quickly. So, you know, you you don't want to see that happen. And and that's ex- and you're right, that's exactly what's happening when sales go awry and deals fall apart. It's because the distrust is there. Um, And if they don't make it to that deal stage, often it's because there were some bumps along the road that said, I'm not going to even let it get there. Right. And by the way, we do it on an individual level too. So, you know, when I say I will send you an email by 5 p.m. today, Nadine, and then tomorrow you're calling me up and saying, I thought I was going to get an email by last night. That Again, maybe there was enough deposits. Maybe that was just a small uh, withdrawal, but maybe it was bigger. Maybe they're like, God, this is adding up. Yes. And when, I, when I'm when i late for a meeting or blow off a meeting or don't bring what you expected from me, all of those things just limit. But and we're going to talk about it. We can probably touch on some of that for a while, but um, I want to talk today to you about 10Xing or 10 times your sales pipeline. So we talked about this a few weeks ago offline. And um, it's interesting because when we all, everybody wants a big pipeline, you know, and and there's so much um, intrigue and mystery and um, and you talk about distrust in pipelines because if I'm the boss and I say, Nadine, I want all your deals in that system and I want you to tell me how much they're worth and I want you to tell me what percent are going to close and when it's going to close. And what's the next step? And and then I'm to tell you, you know, expect this much in sales from you. That's where the rubber meets the road. You're trying to you're trying to be honest, but at the same time, when I tell you you need this, this, and this, sometimes people put stuff in the pipeline that doesn't 
it's not a sure thing by any stretch. Right. It might be might be a lie, right? But you don't want to take them all out either. Right. And look like you don't have anything going on. And you know, what are you doing all day? <laughs> right. I'm familiar with the company that I, I was doing some work with. And people said, Yeah, I put stuff in that pipeline. And then other people in the company find out my deals. And I was like, Yeah, but they're still your deals. They're like, not necessarily. I was like, oh. Well, yeah, I'll go ahead and put all my deals in there just so they can be stolen. Oh dear, right? What a what a hard culture. That's a, that sounds like a yes, difficult place yes. to work. So, anyway, we're talking with Nadine from Sync Show, and when we were talking offline, you said, uh, you know, I, I, when you said how to ten x your sales pipeline, I thought, oh, okay, just work hard, 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 right? But you said, no, no, there's method to this madness. So, tell us a little bit about your approach to. Filling that pipeline, making it 10 times bigger than it is right now. Absolutely. So you might be listening in today and saying, why am I listening to a lifetime marketer tell me how to fill my sales pipeline? I need to be hearing from a sales leader on this. Well, I've sat in both seats over my career. I am a career marketer. I've been doing this for over 15 years. And I always look at it and say, now that I sit in the sales leader seat, I have found that we are able to find the most success for ourselves selfishly and for our clients when you look at this as a three-legged stool. So in order for your pipeline to scale, for you to grow, for your company to hit its objectives, for you as a salesperson to hit the numbers that you're expected to hit and that you're rewarded for when you hit them, we need to make sure that the stool is supported. So the three legs of that stool are going to be marketing, sales, and operations. And these three areas need to work together and to work together efficiently to make sure that that trust is built at each step in the process. So when a prospect comes in, the way that they're marketed to is the same way that they are sold. And once the sales team passes it over to delivery, that they are then handled as a customer from an operation standpoint in the same way that they were told it was going to happen from a marketing standpoint and from a sales standpoint. And with that, not only are you going to close more deals, close your deals faster, but you're also going to retain your customers so that way you're constantly not filling back up the bucket because you know yeah. that's the it's the fastest way to working really, really hard to stay exactly where you are, which is, you know, that's the best case scenario. <laughs> Right. And, you know, when when we're prepping, I've mentioned, you know, my audience tends to just want sales. No one wants marketing. We want sales. Right. And what we're also seeing in the market is, you know, if you go back 10 years ago, companies, for the most part, just said, I have a website. That is my marketing. And then I have people who bang the phones all day. That's how we get business. Marketing was kind of the salesperson's responsibility. And then when social media came, they're like, hey, you've got a LinkedIn You've got a Twitter, go get them. That's that's your marketing. But it was always kind of like, uh, could be a different message from every salesperson. Again, it was, it was really within the sales group. And what I've seen, I'll say with the tech companies that came in, they come from Silicon Valley or Austin or wherever these tech companies come from. They have a culture that is more tech oriented. They expect they have marketing. Absolutely. They, they don't, they don't engage with just sales guys. They will always have marketing. And then I think you see the largest players in the industry embrace marketing. And I, I can say this as a blogger back in the day, Adam Robinson and I used to talk. He and I used to be page one for LTL. We were higher than the LTL companies. And I remember when he came in this business, he said, 
why don't any of the other companies, why aren't they getting anything on Google? And I was like, I don't know. I just blog and right. do basic SEO and I'm found. But the dream, you know, that's what everyone wants. Number one on Google. Right. But it's not, it's not an empty field anymore. Everybody's trying to succeed that way. But anyway, I think also what I'm seeing is, is companies say, okay, we want marketing. I think sometimes they hold marketing as kind of the department down the hall. And I think what we really need to do is we need as marketers and salespeople to say, that's one group. You really can't be separate departments with separate ideas. And and Absolutely. one last thing, the ops team, I've had this experience where, where I've advised large shippers where once the ops team came in, the messaging all changed. Like, oh, uh, they didn't even know what we were sold. They said, oh, we don't do that. You, We're not doing that for that customer. I was like, Hold up. I called the sales guy while we we're on the phone. I was like, you have to join the meeting right now. He goes, why? I go, because what we bought from you is not what we're getting from these guys. And that happens. That That's a weird thing. Because you're like, wait a sec. Wait a sec. I, I was. I feel like I got bait and switch here. Yes. Yes, exactly. And then to your to your analogy about the punch bowl earlier, they never forget it. So they say, okay, we're actually starting off on a wrong foot. And now you're going to have to work extra hard to deliver, you know, even if you do a great job, it's like, it's just something that never leaves the back of their mind. So you're, you're absolutely right. It's crucial that all three of those divisions need to operate as one and need to ensure that they're doing it in a way that keeps things consistent. Yep. So when we're prepping, you told me you have in eight, eight pillars to 10 Xing my sales pipeline. So what are those pillars? Absolutely. Take us through. Great. I'd love to. What's number one? <laughs> so our number one pillar here is evaluating your marketing team and structure. And I want to walk us through these eight pillars, talk about what to think about, what to consider, why we look at them. But before I do that, I'd love to take a step back and just tell you, you know, how did we get here that we, Sync Show, as an agency, are going to market looking at these eight pillars? Because I think the story is valuable. We have found over the success of our agency that our clients, when they come to us and they work with us collaboratively, when we are aligned with sales and marketing together, we hit our clients' goals and we hit them phenomenally well. We had a team member who joined our organization, an, another vice president at our, at our agency who said, do we really hit all of these goals for our clients? You know, I've worked at a lot of agencies. I've spent 20 years in the industry. Is it really this good or is this some marketing asterisk, asterisk language? And so we did all the digging and it turns out that, yes, not over 90% of our clients meet or exceed their goals when they work with us. We need to reverse engineer this and unpack how to get there because so many clients come to us that have either been working very aggressively with their marketing teams, their sales teams, or other agencies and can't get the click to happen. So we really looked at this and said, so why does this work with us? And why is nobody else doing it this way? And as you and I were talking about offline, these are this isn't rocket science. It's not like there's some secret code. I'm going to tell you all, all about it today. It's just being diligent and ensuring that you do the process and that you integrate it into your operations, into your sales and into your marketing. So that's a little bit of the why. So now let's, yeah, let's, let's dive in and unpack it. Yeah. I think, I think also if I could say this, so often marketing gets, it doesn't start as a comprehensive approach. It starts as, well, we write, we write articles and we do social media. That's our marketing. And then we did a webinar. And by the way, I, 
those those things there's nothing wrong with doing all those but it's not a comprehensive approach it's almost like a piecemeal approach that's not coming like here's our sales strategy here's our marketing strategy and here's we're going to talk about the pillars you're looking at it from a, a comprehensive approach because if you're in a 10x it's not going to happen with a piecemeal approach it's not going to happen accidentally no it's not going to even happen with harder work it's going to happen because you have a plan to get there. Yes, yes. And that last point, the harder work, I mean, I'll sometimes work with clients who are working so hard. Right. I mean, oh, yeah, I, I was working with a team that they told me their main marketing person quit because they were like, I just can't keep doing all of this. They were so burnt out. And then I, I get under the hood and I'm like, the amount of work that you're doing and you're not seeing any results, of course, this is culturally damaging. And you know, you can't just expect more will get you more. Oftentimes it's it's doing the right thing the right way. And oftentimes it means doing less, which is great. What a win-win. Yep. So take us through what's the first pillar that we're going to get us that 10X sales pipeline. Yes. So the first thing that we look at is your marketing team and structure. So what do we mean by marketing team and structure? We've started to dive in on this a little bit, but marketing can't be your department down the hall. Like you said, it right. has to be integrated into your sales team. You have to look at everything comprehensively. And you might say, well, I don't have a huge in-house marketing team. That's okay. You don't have to have a huge team, but you do have to have dedicated strategists, dedicated resources, and people who are very good at their craft. And that can be in-house or that can be on the agency side, but there has to be an ownership component to this. Somebody has to say, I am in charge of driving your marketing forward and I am in charge of integrating that with sales. Because if you look at this big picture, there's marketing, there's sales, there's operations, and the baton has to get passed, but it doesn't just pass left to right. These things happen and flow back and forth between these stages often. So it has to be really dynamic and you have to say, what is marketing doing to support sales? What is sales doing to support marketing? What happens as a prospect moves through that pipeline? whether they're left of, left of your pipeline, your marketing prospect, marketing qualified, you're working to get them to, to an appointment, to a quote, to a proposal, to what happens when they're in that sales pipeline, and then what does the handoff look like after? So we're going to come in and evaluate that. Yeah. So let me ask you a question related to that. So we have marketing, obviously. So we're doing some sort of strategy. And then I have the sales guy. And so you mentioned the business development guy, SDR, or sales development rep, or the business development BDR, they are reaching out and they have some sort of messaging, right? Maybe it's an email, maybe it's a cold call, maybe it's something on LinkedIn. They're aligned with your marketing message, but they're usually answering to a sales guy, right? Yes, usually. Yes. So, so how is that? Talk about that, how that integration works in your, in your pillar. Absolutely. So the, when we have our strategic meetings with our clients... We expect there to be marketing stakeholders, but also sales, sales stakeholders. And we need to come to a cohesive place where we're going to market with one message on the marketing side and the sales side. So often what we do is we will have both the marketing leader and the sales leader review content. And we will have the agency, our team members, draft content for marketing and for sales. So everything is unified from a messaging standpoint. So whether it's your call script, your email sequences, your breakup emails as a salesperson, your marketing emails, we want to make sure that everything is rowing in the same direction. 
Wait, you said breakup email? Yes. What's that? So when, you know, when you're a sales leader and <laughs> you have decided, you know, dial until and they have dialed and they have emailed right. and they have reached out and they said, I like to call it the breakup email. It doesn't seem like 10xing your sales pipeline is really what you want to do right now. Oh, I see. Maybe we can get in touch in a couple in a couple of weeks or a couple of months. Should anything change? <laughs> How effective is that email? You know, honestly, um, I'll just give it like about a 50-50, But I put it into marketing automation, which we'll talk a little bit about when we talk about your tech right. stack. And it's it's no skin off my back. It's automated in my sequence. It's it sends out. And sometimes people will go, wait, wait, wait. I do want to talk. I have done that. I, I have done the. Oh no, no. Please, Nadine, don't take me off your list. Yes. I've also done, I've also said, oh, this is just manipulative yes. bullshit. <laughs> I'm out. Like, how dare you? What, what, you think I'm a rube? I mean, like that. So I, I'm, I go both ways. I get, I always say this, when you get the same kind of that breakup email, you get it a lot. Yes. And by the way, you get it from all the, the um, 140 people a week who email me about with business leads, they send me that. <laughs> and I always think they're sending it because it works, but at some point it doesn't work. Right. It's, it it almost feels like a, again, I just recognize it is uh it must work, but I also feel like it feels, it, uh, there used to be door to door sales guys. Nobody answers the door anymore, but I always remember they would say things like this. Nadine, do you see how this might be of value to you and your family? And then what do you, 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 you're kind of forced to answer. Right. You're like, uh, I guess. Yes. And, and I, and I always think like, if somebody says that to you now, you're like, oh, come on, shut up. Right, right. <laughs> Dumbass. Get out of my, get off my porch. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Get off my lawn. You know, I, I know I do get the virtual get off my lawn quite a bit. You know, you have to have a thick skin, thick skin to sit in the sales seat, but it definitely, I, I'm, I'm even sometimes surprised how much, it, how much it works. On the marketing side too, you know, I've, I've worked with clients for years and there are certain assets, emails, campaigns that I'm so excited to launch. And I'm like, this is going to be it. This is the thing that moves the needle. I know it. I feel it in my bones. And then it flops. And then there are other things where I'm like, well, I guess we could try it. And it ends up being wildly successful. So, it, you know, it also just tells you sometimes to take the emotion out of it, look at the data and make your decisions based on, well, what does the data tell me? I know. I know. And it's and I think hard. it's, it's um, all of this, we all want to engage in an authentic way. But if somebody says, hey, I authentically am failing, or I can be a little manipulative and feel a little out of my comfort zone and succeed. I might just make that my new authentic. <laughs> right, right. Absolutely. I mean, it's an art and a science. And it's it's also that component of it's B2B, but it's everything that we all do is is P2P. You know, it's person to person. And how does it make you feel? Because if it makes you feel gross, it's probably going to make somebody else feel a little gross. Right, right. So the first thing you're going to do is you're going to help us with marketing team instruction. Yes. What's the second pillar of the sync, sync show plan yes. here? So now we're going to look at your value proposition and in transportation and logistics. What is that? It, your value proposition is a tailored message that very clearly states what you do, who you do it for, and why you do it better than your competition. So you need to have a very succinct way of articulating the value of your business. And it can't be, well, we've been in business for 100 years. Right, it has right. to be 
quant it has to be something that's quantifiable and and real and offers something that people can grab onto. And this is especially challenging and important in the transportation and logistics space. You know, right. We know during COVID and during some of these issues that we've seen in the supply chain, companies are popping up left and right. People are trying to capture business. There's a ton of disruption. There's a lot of noise. And it's really important that your message is clear and cuts through the clutter. Because oftentimes we found if you, you can market and cold call all the live long day, but if the message isn't there, it doesn't matter. So it's a lot of work for not a lot of return. So I think one of the challenges, and I've heard people say their value proposition is customer service. But I was like, everybody says that. I mean, and, and I and you, can't own, you can't own that. That's the problem. You'll never find somebody say, well, we're good at most stuff, but customer service, uh, it's not our thing. Right. Like th- nobody says that. And nobody says, we're a little dishonest. Not not totally, but a little bit. Right. <laughs> like everybody says, we engage with integrity and customer service. And of course you do. That's why you're in business. It's it's nothing you can ever really own. Yes. That. You, you also can't. So I also hear a lot of people say things like, we have 80,000 carriers in our network. It's a nice thing to have for sure, but it's not, to me, to my thinking, that's not enough. I agree. It's just, it's one of the, and so I have a question here. When you say this value proposition, so you said you have multiple market segments. A lot of companies have multiple marketing segments, and I'm a big believer that you need to have a segment. And if you, if your company doesn't have one, I think you need to have one. So rather than call um, everybody who ever shipped a truckload, it's better to say I specialize in something. I move pharma or I move food or I move auto parts, right? And so what if I'm a, what if I'm a company that has multiple market segments? Do you talk about those market segments in the value proposition or is that one step below that? That's a great question. And first, I totally agree with you. I know you have a podcast out there. It's called right. like the niches are in the riches. Yeah, I did it with episodes. my buddy, Kevin Hill. Yes, yep. and, and I couldn't agree more. You know, when I first started in the business, there was a lot around just generalized marketing. Yep, we'll do it for you and we'll do it for everybody else. And you can say the same thing um, oftentimes about transportation. We move things. That's what we do. You know, if you need us to move it, we'll move it. I am everybody, everything to everyone. What do you need? I will move it. Right. There's no (laughs) value proposition in that. And, you know, there's probably difficult profit margins in that. And so it not only is it important to niche, but when we look at a value proposition, we typically do a couple things. And one is let's create an overarching value prop. So there should just be one message of what you do, who you do it for, that's now your verticals, and why you do it better than your competition. And then as as you dig in further to your industries, if I am just the sales or the market sales and marketing department for food and beverage in my logistics company, now I'm going to have a slight drill down into that value proposition just for my my vertical. Right. Because I think it's so much more effective if I can call, say, a warehousing and fulfillment company and say, hi, my name's Joe and uh, I special, you know, I work for XYZ and we specialize in moving freight to and from warehouses. I work with 17 freight companies and I, or 17 warehousing companies. And I, I know you might have the following problems. You know, yeah. Or do you have these following problems? And and that message to me is much better than, hi, warehousing guy. Um, 
I move freight. Can uh, yes. <laughs> can I help you? And, and again, you don't have any sort of specialized knowledge because you don't specialize. Exactly. In it goes back to that trust component. I do this for people just like you. I know your problems and I know how to solve them. It it, it immediately boosts you in that decision making process. Right. So let's move on. First is we gotta, you look at our marketing team and structure, make sure that's right and make sure that it's got that full integration to operations and to sales. And then the second thing we're talking about is value proposition. What's the third pillar that you like to look at? Our third pillar is now your marketing strategy. And people might think, okay, this is now where the salesperson turns off the podcast and says, or, or fast forwards. <laughs> but actually what this sale or marketing strategy starts with is your sales plan. What are your overarching company goals? What are your short and long-term sales goals? And then how do we create a financial pro forma to get you there? And then what does that mean for marketing? So what are your growth goals? What are your sales targets for pipeline revenue, for opportunities, for sales qualified leads? And now based on those numbers, how are we creating a marketing plan that ties directly to those goals? Because if your marketing strategy right. doesn't tie directly to those goals, why are you doing it? And you know, you, you might say like, oh, well, we need to be doing something on Twitter or we need to be doing something on TikTok. Maybe. But you really need to make sure the reason you're doing it is because it's going to result in one of those key numbers that you've already identified. Right. So marketing strategy is directly tied to the sales goal. Yes. And so if I say I want to sell, so I'm, I'm a small company and I plan to get, I want to double in size. That means I might have to spend more. I'm going to have more sales guys. I'm going to have a larger marketing budget. Just almost, And, and to, to say that I don't need more sales guys, that I don't need more marketing budget might be uh, unrealistic. So again, I think all of these things that we're talking about, these pillars, it's, it always comes back to alignment. So don't give me a goal and then not a budget, right? Exactly. Don't, don't say, here's what I expect of you, except, you know, I'm not going to give you the resources you need to succeed. That's not a good plan for anybody. Exactly. And sometimes when I speak to prospects and clients, that's exactly the conversation where they're saying my board or my C-suite doesn't understand the effort it's going to take to hit these numbers. Can you help me explain what plan needs to be executed on to hit that. So they truly understand the effort required to get there. Right. Excellent. So we've got the first three. What's the next one? What's the fourth pillar? As we round our halfway point here in our eight pillars, our fourth pillar is your website. And what do I mean about your website? It's quite simply, is your website a brochure or is your website a sales tool for success? Are you getting leads from your website? Is it a lead generating machine? And once those leads come in, what happens with them? Does your sales team follow right. up? How quickly do they follow up? What happens to them after they've followed up? And where do they go from there? Yes, yes. And by the way, websites, I've done, I've done some digital marketing in my past and uh, not easy, not easy at all because you have to create a lot of words and those words have to mean something. I remember doing a website one time, and I can't say this is every single time, but I remember uh, one time the owner called me, he's a Chicago land guy, and he called me, he goes, I was on vacation in Florida, and he called and he said, I just went into my website and there was eight RFPs in there. And I was like, eight? And I was like, could you read them to me? So he read them. It was a warehousing and warehousing and fulfillment company, and they were very specialized, but he's like, you know, as, as he's reading them through, he's like, 
three or four of these are very legit and right up our alley. But we had done a really good job on launching that with the right the right message, the right content, the right SEO to get them there. And then the right capture to get them, you know, it's one thing for somebody to come to a website and say, well, I was there. I don't know how to go any, any further than this. You know, what's another thing that's, I look at websites every week a lot because I'm doing the podcast and I look at everyone's website. A lot of people are missing good about pages. Yeah. They're also, and, and so there's a huge number of people who the first thing they do on a website is look to the about page. A lot of companies have moved about from the top of the page down to the bottom. And I was thinking, so when someone like me who looks at that about page first, I'm wondering why something that is so important moved to the bottom. Contact used to be at the top. A lot of people are moving that to the bottom. And I know they really want to simplify the message and get you in a, a funnel on that yeah. and really direct you, make sure I'm not confused as to where I'm supposed to go on the website. But I was thinking, I know there's a magic to this and I shouldn't say magic. There's a science to this and a lot of companies aren't following it. And by the way, I, I can't give that to you. Nadine can. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, but you, you said it, Joe, and it's what happens when you go to this website? What is the content doing? You know, people, people often think, well, I have a website. Great. Box is checked. I, I have one. The pillar has successfully been achieved. And it's very much what is the type of content? How are you being found online? You know, using the analogy of real life, there's a big difference having a store on Main Street versus having the store in the back of, you know, a strip mall off of 16 side streets that nobody can get to. So it doesn't matter if no one can find it. And it doesn't matter if once they've found it, they either don't know what to do or can't successfully do what you need them to do. Right. And, you know, my uh, web partner, the guys over at SunAnt, I remember I worked about a dozen websites with them. One of the things people would always say is, hey, we would like to drive more traffic to our website. And he says, for what? And they'd say, well, so we get more business. He says, you're not converting any of the business you currently have. So if if I have a a thousand people come to my website, what percent am I actually getting their information and having them say, please contact me, or they download a white paper, download a case study, engage somehow. And they say, oh no, we don't, but we're going to drive a lot more. So by driving traffic now, the first thousand didn't do anything, but if I could get 10,000, maybe one person will do something. Well, better to start with the website being really good and converting visitors into something more than just visitors. Yes. Before you worry about driving all that traffic. Exactly. Exactly. And you're you're giving like the perfect tee up to our fifth pillar, which is goals, KPIs, key performance indicators, and industry benchmarks. So when we go in, we look at all of this information. So first, do you have goals? Do you have business goals? Do you are you driving towards something purposefully or are you just saying, you know, growth? Well, it needs to be more purposeful than that. And exactly like you just said, it's how is your website traffic performing? That is a key performance indicator. What is your traffic growing? Is it declining? Where is your traffic coming from? But then what's your conversion rate? How many people that come to your website are converting, are giving you their information, are becoming leads? How do you compare against yourself? How do you compare against the industry? So, so if you had only, if I said, Nadine, you're working with me, but I want you to tell me what are the four KPIs you like best from a marketing perspective? Oh, I, I 
to pick four. All right. I'm going to say my favorite KPI because I am sales focused, sales qualified leads to leads. So of your total lead volume, how many are sales qualified? You know, I talk to a lot of marketers that say, oh. And when sales qualified, mean that sales guy said this is a good sales lead? Sales guy said, this is a good lead, had a good meeting. It's, you know, I want to hear like it's moving to proposal. That would be what I would call an opportunity. Right. So how many of your total leads are valuable leads? Because the fastest way for sales to hate marketing is to get a bunch of junk and to have a bunch of garbage meetings that waste their time. Sales qualified leads are hugely important. What is that percentage? I want to see something crazy high. I want to see 80% of my total leads are sales qualified. Don't waste my time. <laughs> right. And so that means, so does that mean you're kind of, the marketing group is checking those before they hand them off? Yes. Yeah, so oftentimes what we do is we say, sales, tell me what a good lead looks like. So we know when to, when to hand them off. And then tell us the ones that are bad. Tell us why. And then on the marketing side, we're going to dive into where they came from and adjust our marketing strategy to get less of them. Right. You wouldn't believe the amount of clients that our agency works with that certain KPIs go down and sales go up. So sometimes people will look at us and be like, well, my traffic's gone down since working with you. And I'm like, but your conversion rate has gone up. We got rid of all of the people who can't do business with you. We don't need the vanity metric of traffic unless the traffic matters. Right. And by the way, for those of you who are wondering what we're talking about, sometimes marketing gets leads and they're good and they hand them off to sales. And by the way, I know this for a fact because I talked to so many people. Most salespeople will say, well, marketing doesn't give me anything. Yep. That's not their job. And, and by the way, they might say that isn't their job. They say, my job is to create content for the website. My job is to do the social media. They don't have a comprehensive plan where they, where there's a support. And so, and then, and, and I think other times they say, okay, we did a webinar the other day and 80 people signed up, 40 people showed up. I did a webinar like that not so long ago. And they go, here you go, sales. There's your 80 good leads. And they go, 80 good leads. 60 of them are competition. <laughs> exactly. And, uh, and which is the reality. If you get out of that 80, if there's two or three good leads, that's a good webinar. But, but rather than give them 80, you're saying you actually have to go and check those, make sure that this meets the criteria that you were given by the sales guys. Yes. Yes. You're right. You know, and that's where these can become vanity metrics. But to answer your question, you know, what are those four KPIs that I do you care about and can tell me something? It is going to be your website traffic. Is it growing? Where's it coming from? It's going to be your conversion rate. How many people, what percentage of people give us their information after visiting your website? I like to see that number between two and 5%. So for every 100 people, you should be getting two to five leads. And then I like to see of those two to five leads, how many of them are qualified to do business with you? So I would actually say those are my top three. Give me those one more time. So your website traffic. Yep. Is it going up? Is it going down? Where is that traffic coming from? The conversion rate. So what percentage of people are converting on your website, which then gets you your lead number. Converting means they said, contact yes. me or they downloaded, downloaded some, something. Some sort of interaction. They've given us their first name, their last name, their email address. They've what, what we like to call, they've raised their hand. Hello, here I am. I'm popping out of the gopher hole. So your website traffic, the conversion rate on your website, the total leads that you're seeing, 
And then the percentage of those total leads that are sales qualified. Because again, if I sell cat food and I'm driving a ton of dogs to your website, not many of them are going to eat the cat food. I mean, maybe they will. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, you, yeah, most dogs will. <laughs> but that, yeah, not, that doesn't work, yeah. Nadine. I know. Yeah, bad one. My dog used to eat his own throw up, if I'm being honest. So, <laughs> yeah. so I want to I, I point this out. I always say this. I'm an automotive guy originally, and we used to have just tons of measurements, metrics for everything. And I remember when somebody introduced the idea of key performance indicators or key process indicators, if you will. And I always say it's only the very best metrics grow up to be KPIs. And I don't like it when somebody gives me 30 metrics for something. And warehouses can sometimes do this. And I was like, what are the four or five metrics that if they're going well, I'm doing well? Because it's really, and and that's so, so true in our business is we have the ability to create tons of data now, tons of metrics, tons of measurements. And they're just not all useful, you know, and if you say, well, this one went up, this one went down, this one, well, the ones, the four you gave me, if those four are going well, I've done a good job. Yes, absolutely. And that's why I like those. Absolutely. No, I'm glad you asked. And I, I think that context is really important because it goes into our sixth pillar, which is analytics and reporting. You're right. Marketing has so much powerful data today. And it can sometimes lead you astray. So first, is your analytics and your reporting set up correctly? Is your data clean? Or are you making decisions based on bad data? The worst potential outcome is that you are making your business decisions on data that is not correct. And because there are so many data sources and so much information, it's very easy for it to get very messy. So we look at it, we audit it, we say, is it clean? And then it's what can we gather from it and why does it matter? Because again, like you said, you have so many metrics, but do they matter? And is it impacting the most important metrics? And sometimes you can see like there are leading indicators of success on really granular metrics like social media or email or content creation that then later will end up driving towards those sales qualified leads or decreasing those sales qualified leads. So you do have to pay attention to it, but it definitely has to be measured or in in a, in a calmer way and in a more measured way. Yeah. And you know, I'm not getting into anything political here, so please don't, uh, don't hang up anybody. (laughs) I was reading a book and it was talking about Hillary Clinton's campaign when she was running for president and they had really good data scientists on there and they were just, they were really managing their campaign that way. But they also had Bill Clinton on that team and he, and he was, sometimes at odds with the, what the data was saying. And he said, I think we should do this, this, and this. And it was interesting because at, towards the end of the election, they said, we need to send somebody to these states quickly because we think we're going to lose this state. And then they were like, well, what, what would that look like? Like we're panicked about that state. So it was interesting to me that there's that gut yeah. feel that maybe Bill Clinton was bringing as a seasoned politician and then you have the data and so i think there's always needs to be the the um gut check or the the the, okay here's what the data is saying is this real are we looking at this does this match what the market's telling us because if it doesn't maybe our metrics got off yes yes it's an art like again it's an art and a science there are ways to use the data but there is also the gut check and for so many people in this industry it is 
in their blood. They've been doing it. It is a lifelong passion. They know it, they feel it. And that can't be discounted either. So how do you marry those things? Yep. So what's the next one? What's the seventh pillar that we need to concern ourselves with? As we come to the tail end of our pillars here, the seventh pillar is your technology stack. So this is really important in that we look at what are the tools you're using versus what are the tools you should be using versus how can you consolidate some of your tools? Because at the end of the day, we all want to work smarter, not harder. So how can we help you implement the tools that give you the truest north, reduce the amount of manual work you have to do and help you achieve those top line goals that we that we talked about? Everything needs to come back to those goals. And how are we then using that data effectively? And and those so what, go what through, would be part of that tech? Yep, stack? great question. So those go through your marketing, your sales, and your operations department. So for example, how is your website connected to a marketing automation tool? So is that like a HubSpot? Yes. Yeah, so HubSpot is a perfect example of that. We are a HubSpot Platinum partner. Marketo, Pardot, Salesforce, Marketing Cloud. Those are a few other examples. How are you gathering intel on who is visiting your website? And then how are you automating the marketing around it? Not only does automating the marketing take that off of everyone's plate so we can focus on the more strategic things and let AI do the other things, but it also gives you really strong data points to say, this is working, do more of it. This isn't working, do less of it. Right. Your CRM should also tie directly into that on the sales side. So that way we're saying once this marketing lead is ready to go to sales, sales has all of the information of everything they've done prior to that point. And should that lead get closed, lost, how do we pop it back to marketing if we want to market to them again in the future? Not every lead is a good lead. So that might not always be the case, but. Right. Yeah. And one of the things you mentioned, I did some digital marketing. So my web partner, the guys over at Sun and Interactive, they always say, we find a lot of people signed up for HubSpot, signed up for one, all, all those different systems, but they didn't use yes. them. They didn't have people to use them. So they thought, well, these are great tools and there's nothing wrong with those tools in the hands of somebody who's trained and somebody who's actually has time to use it. If you say, I'm going to just start using that and I didn't hire, I don't have the people to use it. It's like a, a, a tool that just does it with a user that doesn't know what they're doing. Yes. He said, that's, he goes, I'm, he, and he always says, my friends at Sunday always say, it's not nothing wrong with HubSpot. It's wrong with the people think they're going to use it and then they don't. And then it doesn't, you know, it's not cheap. No. So it doesn't pay exactly. for itself. That's exactly it. I mean, any tool is only as good as the onboarding and the usability that's happening within an organization. It has to be that cultural shift. And you're exactly right. Either they're not using it and it's a waste of money. Or sometimes, you know, I, I use the car analogy of like, you bought a Ferrari and you're driving it like a Chevy Malibu. Like, let's let's level up here and figure out right. like how to get the most money out of the tool that you have and how can it either replace other tools that you're using that are siloed? How can we integrate things and how can we, again, make things more cohesive for the rest of your right. business? Well, and we're, not, we're almost done here, but um, one of the th thoughts I had as I was just saying that is each one of these pillars is important. And I think what can happen is I, I, I have two or three pillars that are working, two or three that aren't. And then I've had this technology tool. And then when they're done not using it, they say, well, yeah, we tried HubSpot. It didn't work. It's not the tool. It was the fact that you really didn't have a comprehensive, fully integrated approach to this. 
And, and, and that sounds uh, expensive and time consuming, but it's also how you're growing your business. We're talking again, the, this is how you 10 X. So if you, if you just want to grow your, if you want to grow incrementally, say we grew 10% less over last year, you can probably keep doing what you're doing. But if you say we really have audacious goals, then you're going to have to look at these eight things. We'll get to the last one in a minute. We're going to have to do these eight things and you have to do them rel- relatively well to get yeah. there. It's not like, oh, we did four of them half-assed and four real well. That ain't 10 That's exactly <laughs> it. That's exactly it. Prospects will say to me all the time, well, I've done a little bit of all of this. And I'm like, yeah, most people have, but you need to be perfect. This sounds like my diet and exercise right here, where it's like, yes, I went, yes, I went to the gym yesterday. Yes, I also had drinks at dinner. But I ate right? a salad so, before I had six exactly, beers. Yeah, no. exactly. Yeah, and I I worked out last yes, week. Yes, so. that's exactly it. You know, so much of it is just doing it cohesively because whack-a-mole style marketing will just get you whack-a-mole results. By the way, I also say this regarding marketing. Marketing is like diet and exercise because so often people go, "Well, we have marketing now. How much? We had that article. We did a webinar." When do we start counting the cash? It's like working out and eating right. You do, you go diet all day, go work out, go for that long walk, and then you look in the mirror and go, kind of yes. the same. Right? Yes. Now, if you do that every day for a year, you go, well, okay, results. It's not something that is overnight success. Exactly. It's not. And I, oftentimes people will ask me, like, tell me your your favorite marketing story or tell me the best results or how did you get there? And I say, I'm like, it's actually a really boring story of small, continuous change, consistent consistent growth and seeing these little tweaks that end up changing a big picture over a long amount of time. So what is the last pillar? Along the lines of it being not very sexy, our last pillar is templates and guidelines. (laughs) just about the least sexy of our eight. Yes. But what does this mean? It's, it's how are you creating repeatable processes? So repeatable templates for your marketing team that we know convert well, landing pages that get you the best conversions, video sequences that deliver the message effectively, sales scripts, sales sequence emails. How are you creating templates that are not only technically sound, on the sales and marketing side, meaning they're in compliance with the World Wide Web, with Google, but are also easily readable on all types of devices? And how are you helping yourself scale? Because as you get more leads, you have to do more sales follow-up. And as you get more traffic, you have to continue marketing to continue to capture those leads. So oftentimes people think like, I just have to do this. And then once I get there, It's easy street. And it can be, but you have to build these templates and these guidelines that make it stupidly simple to follow and execute. Otherwise, it can sort of stack like Tetris and get really out of control, which is a great problem to have, right? I have so many leads, but they're not getting followed up with in a consistent way. And oftentimes when we see those templates and guidelines fail, it's you see those top level KPIs getting there. We're delivering you more leads. We're delivering you more sales leads, but they're not getting followed up on effectively. Your close rates are going down. Your average sales cycle is lengthening instead of shortening because you're just hitting these bumps in the road that you didn't necessarily prepare for when, yes, if you're really here to 10X, there's going to be a huge increase in volume 
And that has to be dealt with purposefully. So that's that's your templates and guidelines, evaluating what's there, what's missing, and then how to grow as you grow. Right. And, and it, you make a great point there is, you know, as we get more of those opportunities, we're going to have to be able to manage them. So if you say, hey, Joe, I give you a great lead. And I, last week, what happened with that? And I go, oh, I'm just way backed up. Well, maybe maybe that person went cold. By the way, one of the things I've noticed over time, I get a lot of emails from people. They say, Joe, could you, so when I was doing a lot of sales training, I would get something that said, we really need sales training. And they would send me that email. I would respond, hey, give me a call or get, book some time on my calendar. Crickets, crickets. And I was thinking, that's how crazy, and that wasn't a one-time thing. When I was doing websites and digital marketing, I got that. So sometimes people, I think, have the idea that they need something. And then almost like 25 minutes later, they're like, oh, emergency hit, or we got a new sale. I don't, I don't care anymore. Squirrel. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's squirrel. Yeah, exactly. So if you don't follow up on a, a timely basis, it's over. Even if you do follow up on a timely basis, sometimes it's over anyway. Yes. Anyway, I'm going to read these. I'm going to summarize this. I'm, I'm reading right from my computer here. This is the eight pillars that will help us get that 10x sales pipeline that we want. 10 times our sales pipeline. Again, this is, if you want the incremental growth, keep doing what you're doing. And, and I'm not even putting that down. But if you really do want to grow, and there's a lot of companies that are saying, how do we grow? It's just, it unfortunately is not an easy, unless you hire Nadine, it's not an easy overnight solution. So I'm going to read these. Uh, the number one pillar, marketing, team, and structure. You need to look at that. Second, value proposition. Number three is marketing strategy. Number four, we got to get that website going correctly, converting. Uh, number four is goals, KPIs, and industry benchmarks, making sure we're, we're uh, measuring what we're doing. Analytics and reporting, so we understand our market, understand wh if what we're doing is working with the market, the technology stack, and then last but not least, templates and guidelines. Nadine, wrap this bad boy up. Put a bow, bow on it. <laughs> well, thoughts. Joe, first, I just wanted to say thank you so much for having me. It's always a pleasure talking you. to you and listening to the other guests on your podcast. I just love it. And oh, my pleasure. And I really think the big takeaway here should be for transportation and logistics companies to understand that the market is changing and evolving. And in order to really 10x your business, you need to take an aggressive stance in, in that value prop, who you are, who you do it for, why you do it better, and then make sure that your sales and marketing are aligned because you you can go there together and you can get there successfully by doing it. And, and have faith. And if you're ready to really do the work, the results are out there. Yep. Excellent. Excellent. So before you go, Nadine, tell us a little bit about who you guys serve. Who's your sweet spot? And what do you got? What are you doing for those companies? Great, great. Thanks so much. So primarily what we're focusing on in transportation and logistics is software that that drives those organizations. So if you are a transportation software company, this is a, a great time to be talking with us. But we also work really closely with warehousing and fulfillment. 3PLs, trailer rentals, and sales, leasing. So we we spend some time in this space really focusing on those those areas of the industry. You know, at the end of the day, if you have something that has a great story to tell and you just need help telling that story and getting in front of your audience, we want to be a part of it. Excellent. Excellent. And by the way, there is a consolidation happening in this space. And I think that a number of people talk about it on my podcast. 
the the people who are the M&A people say, you really want to under have a niche, you want to have a brand, you want all that. So even if you're, you know, you say, we want to grow our business, even if you say, I want to sell this business in a few years, this is still something we need to get to because somebody doesn't want a hodgepodge business where they go, oh, this is, I looked at their website, they do a little bit of everything. That's not as compelling as these guys really have a great niche in blank. I, t- I totally agree with you. And I'm, I've been talking with a lot of prospects and clients who are going through those types of situations. And you're right. When M&A or PE are looking to absorb and to buy, positioning yourself as the company who's ready for a sale in a very clean way just makes it all much easier and faster. And again, that it's, it's that value prop. So they care and they're looking for it. They're also looking for those niches. So they want to be able to say, yeah, we don't do much in the Northeast and this company specializes in the Northeast or this company specializes in something we don't do yet. Absolutely. Excellent. So are you guys attending any of the logistics conferences this yes, year? Yes, we will be at TMSA. That's ha- happening in early June in Orlando. So we will definitely be there. Very nice. I'm very excited for it. And that's currently the big one that's on the docket for me. What about you, Joe? Very nice. Well, I have not decided where I'm going yet, but I will definitely be at Manifest. Right. I just had them on my podcast. That's that's way in January. I was like, why was I here in Michigan in January of this year? By the way, there was a whole bunch of people who were on my podcast saying, I'm going to Manifest. And I was like, I kept writing it down, like Manifest. Like, what is I that? Maybe you'll see me I didn't there. even know what it was. <laughs> But now I know, and and people really seem to enjoy it. So I will definitely be at Manifest. And um, I don't know. I might. I know Freightwaves has got something going on in Northwest Arkansas. The Freightwaves guys are always yes. great, great conferences. So um, I don't. That's coming up too. I know Modex is coming up. But the only one I'm officially going to right now is Manifest. That's great. That's great. Good to hear it. Nadine, what I'll do is I'll put a link to your LinkedIn profile and a link to your website and any other marketing assets you give me. And I'll put those in the show notes so people can reach out and talk to you and your company. Thank you so much. Thank you. Have a great day. Thank you. And thank all of you for listening to my podcast. Your support's very much appreciated. Until next time, Onward and Upward. You've been listening to the Logistics of Logistics podcast, where we engage in conversation with experts in the logistics field. For more details, visit thelogisticsoflogistics.com or follow Joe Lynch on LinkedIn.